Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, it's that time of the week. Some of our best shows. Our exciting mailbag segment coming up. Your questions answered about the Bucks, the Rays, the Lightning. Anything you bring, 100% Correct responses or your money back. So we've got that. Um, before we get started, so I've had a couple vehicles in my lifetime, Steve Versnick, and you know, I always and, and I I'll say this: I I, I now drive pr- fairly nice cars. I mean, in the beginning, you know, it was a two hundred dollar Vega, right? Which you had to put oil in it every six miles or so because it had an aluminum block engine that would melt down, and I did melt one down and left it in Jackson, Mississippi. That's neither here nor there. Um, but there is, even for me and, and people as wealthy as you, there's a limit to how much I will spend on an automobile. Now, we're not multi-million dollar Major League Baseball players, but apparently Wander Franco has taken his vehicle maybe to the next level, right? Yeah, so he purchased a uh, Mercedes-Benz AMG GLE 53 and decked it out. And when I say decked out, it's got his El Patron nickname on the floor next to the driver's seat. He's got a steering wheel decked out in diamonds. He's got diamonds encrusted in the steering wheel, That's like correct. itself. Yes. So the car and all the work uh, runs about two thirty-five. That's about what you spend on your cars, right? Thousand, yes. thousand, two hundred and thirty-five thousand for a sports car, which I'm guessing uh, Mercedes. I don't know this particular model. I'm guessing it probably is close to over a hundred thousand to begin with. So he's added uh, another hundred, hundred and something thousand, and, and just bejeweled, just just tricked it out, just bejeweled it. Now he does, literal diamonds. He does like uh, fancy cars. In uh, spring training in twenty twenty, pulls up in a Lamborghini at the Port Charlotte oh, Complex. That's that's unique. Yeah. When he was called up to the majors in June, pulled in the parking lot in a Rolls Royce, the hmm. Kulinan SUV. So uh, he okay. likes he likes his cars. He's a now big he, uh, does, car enthusiast. Does he collect them? Like, is he one of these guys that's going to have a garage, like, like you know, full of full of uh, vintage type or expensive cars? You think that? I don't know. I don't know if you know. He just rented that car, pulled up, borrowed it, but, but he's this, a car this one, this one he bought yeah. or has. Yes. Wow. Well, uh, don't leave your door unlocked. That's all I got to say. Um, you know, you're not. You're not going to protect those diamonds. Uh, Do you need to put a what, club on that to make sure the well, steering wheel I was going to say, what were those things they put on the steering wheel, the club, right? Uh, no, that one needs that one needs a uh, surveillance camera, I believe, and a very loud alarm if anyone gets near it where, you know, somehow those diamonds are protected because they will take that wheel apart <laughs> if you've got diamonds in it. That is crazy. That is, no, that is, that is, that is ridiculous. That is crazy. Good for Wander. I mean, hey, I don't know. You know, he signed. I guess he made multi millions as a as a uh, international player, Cuban player, of course. Can you imagine? Let's just say his trajectory continues. Right, he could be rookie of the year or should be. Right, 
Um, no, definitely no, a candidate no, I don't for think that. He's, I mean, I think Wander Ros- or Randy Rosarinas. I know. I think it's Rosar. Yeah, better yeah. candidate than Wander. Okay. I mean, Wander right. had phenomenal ha- second half of season, but he only played right. half. A but season. if you okay, so me and you talking, you're buying stock. You can buy stock in one oh. of these players. Wander, Wander Franco, or Randy Rosarina. I mean, I want them both, but Wander. Okay, so Wander is going to be a superstar. We think he's shown every inclination to that. Yes. Right. So. Regardless, I mean, at some point he's he's what twenty years old <laughs> allegedly. Correct. Okay. Uh, all right. So he's twenty now. Whenever that big contract hits, it's going to be huge, right? Yes. So I don't know who's going to afford it, whether it be the Rays or not. So I mean, he's good for this. Like, what what will be bigger, the cost of Wander's contract or the cost of a new Rays stadium? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, Ray Stadium be more. <laughs> well, but Unless, if we're talking an Indeman outdoor half season stadium, well, half door, yeah, half season, st- probably still the stadium. How can you build? Like, I'm trying to envision like what they're talking about, even like for the for the you know half season outdoor, uh, you know, reduced capacity type thing. What would that? I mean, what would that cost? Right, like. If if the full blown scale retractable roof is a billion or close to it, nine hundred million, are we talking about are we talking about three hundred million? Are we talking about two fifty? Like can you build something that's, that's No, it's probably at least four or five or six. Yeah. So I mean, to me, if you if you think you can get two cities to buy you six hundred million dollar stadiums, why not just get one to buy you one that you know you can play in year round? I don't know. It's well, just you, weird to me. You saw the billboard by the trop, correct? I saw it. I saw the news report of that. Yes, yeah, the Tampa. Or the uh, I'm sorry. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Yeah, putting up a billboard that says, "Dear Rays, Montreal won't pay for your new stadium." Yeah. Well, I mean, look, um, there's not many places in the world you can go where everybody's like, "No, nah, we're good. We don't need police, fire protection, teachers. No, we got all the money in the world." You want a stadium? Sure. Um, you know, these cities all have all have needs. So, I I think it's hard. I. I the stadium game is not what it used to be. You know, we've talked about this. Like you, you, and I don't want to make this a stadium show, but you really need you need a developer, a partner that says you build it here. Uh, my property rates all go up. I'm going to develop the land around, like they did in Atlanta, like they did in San Francisco. Um, that that seems to be more the way the stadium game is played these days. You know, private private business, uh, real estate partnership with the club. And everybody wins, you know. But for as far as like just to try to have a shakedown with a city that's got tons of needs and you know counties that don't have enough school buses and things like that, it's much much more difficult. So, but maybe maybe Wander Franco in a few years can finance his own stadium. Well, we'll see. I mean, the baseball's got to come up with a new CBA this off season too. Which yeah, good luck with that. I'm hearing bad things about that. Look, I mean, the, the they're going contract, out. Right? The contract ends December first. They're not going to have a deal by December first. But no, it really doesn't matter until you get to early February. But me and you talking. This is um, October twenty sixth. Is that right? Yes. So on October twenty sixth, there is no way that spring training will start on time. In my opinion, agree. If you had a be- betting man, oh, betting man, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I I think I think there's a chance they start on time. You do? Yeah. Wow. There's always a chance. I don't think there's a chance. I, I I will I will even go further and say they won't play 162 games this year. 
next year. I'm less confident in that one. They'll have a shortened season. The spring training may be short. But not the regular season. You think they'll play 162? Well, I mean. If they want to get all their money out of it, they will, but. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I mean, it's a lot of issues, man. There is. <laughs> when you get to these, when you get to these labor impact, when you get to these labor contracts that expire, everybody, everybody wants to wait and get the best deal they can, and that yeah, usually I mean, takes the, time. The, the urgency is not going to hit till January, because that's when oh, you I start. That's when you start affecting spring training. And I'm not saying it's the ultimate. Urgency I don't think the urgency is going to hit until the, the April. <laughs> it may not. <laughs> that's. I you know I've seen this in the NFL. This is this is never it never never ends up. And I uh, think baseball would be a huge mistake if they if they didn't start the season on time. Oh, of course. I think you saw hockey come to a deal during a pandemic. Right. Football's got a ten year labor deal. Right. NBA I think's at least got a few more years left because they just went through this not that long ago. Yeah. I, I think it would be a huge mistake if baseball missed time. Uh, no spring training starts a little late. Okay, fine. No, and that's going to hurt them, but right. But we'll see. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, all the reports now are bad, but I mean, it's it's all posturing right now. Yeah, but you don't. You also don't get the best deal until there's the threat of of delay and or cancellation of something. Mm-hmm. And even for me, spring training's not big enough. It's like, eh. So what? You know, it's it's that well, it's uh, that opening than- day that looms closer. Other than baseball, more than any other sport, needs a spring training preseason. Yeah, they're trained. Game. I mean, it. It's the arms. It's building the arms yeah, up, building I mean, them up. You know, football went without preseason games last year. It was fine. Hockey yeah. went without preseason games last year. It was fine. Right. I don't remember if the NBA did when they started back after COVID. Right, but I mean, those sports. It's not as important. Baseball needs the time with the pitchers. Yeah, they've got to have some kind of spring training or scrimmage i mean you know ramp up that they can't just go okay two weeks from now we're starting no the race can well that's possible but everybody's pitching two innings anyway so it doesn't matter <laughs> no no one's got to be stretched out i mean you know you just you, you get lewis head to go back and forth about 25 times instead of instead of 13 or 14 it's pretty easy but yeah the rest of the league will sweat it so i don't know but randy rosarena or uh Wander Frank will be driving around. What what does Randy drive? By the way, he's he he can't lose in the car game. Like that's got to be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, if, know, what he I mean, you know if, I don't know if he puts it on Instagram like Wander did. So yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, let's get to our questions. We got uh, I'm sure plenty of them about the Bucks. Maybe the Lightning. Who knows? I'm I'm game for anything. Let's let's do it. All right, we'll just start with the Bucks questions here. And Ellis asked, should the rest of the NFL be more worried that the Bucks are winning with backups at corner, tight end, and linebacker, or that they haven't played their best complementary football yet? Well, I don't know how worried they are, but they're certainly on people's radar. I mean, they're six and one, and six and one, you know, is is right now they'd be the number two seed in the NFC behind Arizona. Uh, that would get you a home playoff game up until the championship game, assuming Arizona was still in it, and then you would go to Phoenix to play that one. Um, so, yeah, they're they're and I think their NFC record is four and one, which is good. If they haven't, if people haven't taken notice. I was thinking about this today. Like, um, their offense is so multiple, and you know they still. I mean, they've been missing Gronk um, for a number of weeks now. AB didn't play last week. You know, Chicago. You can say what you want about them. They're they're they've always been a pretty good defense, 
they were missing some players, obviously, you know, with Akeem Hicks and, and um, some others. But to go out there and, and, and hang hang 38 and could have hung 50, which ticked off Brady, by the way, on his drive home, you know, that that's not that's not easy to do in this league. You don't see you don't see teams that are explosive or efficient enough to do that to another NFL team consistently on in, you know in a given day. So what I have watched is, you know, and they've not been the same team on the road. So the caveat is can they start scoring 30 points a game on the road? We know they can do it at home. But they're not completely healthy on offense, but Brady is extremely efficient. The run game, they're coming off their best game since 2015 at home, I think 184 yards, 183 yards rushing. This is a really good offense that's getting better. Like, they're getting better each week. You know, this isn't slop around and hang 19 in New England on a rainy night. Like, they're they're getting better. And as they get better, um, you know, I I think they're going to be a really tough out because we know their defense has sort of been sort of hanging on and and doing kind of a patchwork work thing. So yeah, this long way of saying if I'm the, if I'm in the NFL, there's really usually only about three or four teams that can win a Super Bowl in each each division. Anyway, uh, it's a little harder to pinpoint with the AFC right now, but you're definitely going to say that the Bucks. I think, for my money, the Packers would still rank the Packers higher than Arizona or L.A. in my mind, just because I don't think anyone's beating them. I think they're going to go six and zero in that division, and I, you know, they play Thursday night against Arizona, so we'll see what happens there. But they're they're definitely in my mind one of the two top seeds, and if they get their defense back, if they get Sean Murphy bunting and um, Carlton Davis, uh, Gronk comes back. Levante David, maybe as early as this week. And they keep on this roll, like they're seven and one now. And this game Sunday is a big one, right? Because that could that could that could be a hiccup. That could stop them. And now all of a sudden you're fighting for the division. I know they got a one game lead. You know, New Orleans has two losses already, but the head to head is big. They could give the Bucks their second loss and they would have the you know, have the head to head on them for the year. So winning the division, you have to do that. But assuming that they you know, split with with the Saints or, or maybe sweep them and go on. Like we said, there's two other teams, Indianapolis and the Buffalo Bills on the schedule that they're going to have to play really well to win. Indianapolis is, is up there. The Bills is at Raymond James. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be damn scared if I was one of these other teams. I'd be like, yo, um, this quarterback over here knows how to get to the Super Bowl better than anybody ever who's ever, ever, ever done it. And he looks like he's playing better than he ever has because he's got all these weapons and now he's in sync. Now this offense is his offense. Um, you know, he's not having, you know, phone conversations and uh, aborted golf trips with BA at seven and five, hoping that they can get some stuff together. No, they've got it together. They know exactly who they are. They know how they're going to attack. And they're just, now they're just grooving it, you know, each week. Now they're just getting better with time uh, and there's still a lot of room for improvement. So, you know, when you're hanging 38 on an NFL team, averaging 30 plus points, when your quarterback leads the league in passing yards and touchdowns, um, when your running backs are, you know, starting to churn out yards, including Ronald Jones, but we've seen what Fournette's done every week. You should be damn. You, you, I mean, 
everybody should have the Bucks. I mean, they're defending Super Bowl champs, but they got the quarterback who makes it to this game every year. And after winning Super Bowls, he's obviously he's the last guy to go back to back, but that was many, many years ago. But you know, he's made it back to the game, and at minimum, at minimum, more often than than not, almost every time, when Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl, he's in the champion conference championship the next year, almost always. Like he gets them at least that far, and sometimes to the Super Bowl. So they're gonna they're in it for a long, a deep run, and, and I can't believe that anybody would would watch you know one of their last few games and not say, yeah, Brady's Brady's gonna be there. He's gonna do what he always does. All right, Craig had tweeted us said you mentioned how how much we see the real Tom Brady in Tampa and how much we all enjoy it. I tell Pats fans you don't know how good you had it, but how much fun is it for you, Rick? But also the Bucks letting him do what he wants. How much will that factor in him staying longer with the Buccaneers? TB12 is fun for us. Um, well, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, you know, listen, you're talking to a guy that's covered a franchise that's one of the worst in, uh, until he arrived in North American sports, uh, winning percentage, however you want to cut it up. You know, there were at one point we had uh, five coaches in 10 years. Um, this was not a, a destination really for anybody outside of saving some dollars on income tax. Uh, the franchise, yes, they won a Super Bowl in 2002, but really that's the last playoff game they had won, okay? The last one they had won until Brady got here. That's a long time, right? So it's a hell of a lot of fun. And what's what's interesting, uh, and I don't mean from a cheering rah-rah standpoint because I try to tell people this all the time nobody believes it. I gave away my fan card a long time ago. What's interesting is we're writing stories – that are different than the ones we always wrote. And and I watch these teams, whether it's Miami, um, Jacksonville, you know, you kind of like, there are two, there are, uh, there are two lives in the NFL. There's the, the life of a relevant franchise. Okay. When I say relevant, what makes you relevant? Well, what makes you relevant is winning. So there's the life of a franchise that almost every year, it has a chance to win the Super Bowl, but will go to the is a playoff perennial playoff team. You know, so you're talking about great organizations. For years, that was the Patriots, obviously Green Bay. Now, um, you know, I mean, there's there's a number of teams that you can say. You know, Baltimore is almost always a playoff team. Um, Dallas is relevant whether they win or not because it's Dallas. But but you have these teams that every year they're going to be in the hunt, and and then you have everybody else. And those are the teams that change the coach, change the quarterback. That's all the NFL does. If you really watch it, it's like, yeah, well, they lost a lot. Then they drafted a guy high and they tried to develop him, but it didn't work out. So they fired the coach and then they brought in a new coach, but the quarterback still didn't work out. So they got a new quarterback. And then, so that, that quarterback wasn't coming along fast enough. So they fired the coach. And and that's what the league is. It's it's a fire the coach, fire the quarterback league. Uh, until you finally get a quarterback, mostly, and a coach who's smart enough to get out of the get out of the way and help them, and they they get married up, and then they 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 don't leave those jobs. You know those jobs don't come open. Um, now we're seeing some hiccups now with Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid because their defense is lousy, and Mahomes is still trying to play like he always did, and and. He's he's not. They're not playing complimentary football, and they're losing games. So he's got to find a new formula. But you know, everybody 
There, there's basically 12 teams that like their quarterback each year. Those are the 12 that make the playoffs. Or now I guess it's 14. The rest of the NFL hates their quarterback, and most of them want to replace their coach. I mean, if you don't believe me, like, think about this. You know, how long did, did it take the Philadelphia Eagles to win a Super Bowl? And then you got about two years later, and they've canned, their, they've canned both the coach and the quarterback. Like Doug Peterson, like, oh, he was the problem? How are they doing now? <laughs> you know? Are you guys – are you better off? Really? You know? You don't have Carson Wentz, so he's in Indianapolis. You couldn't make that work. And Peterson's fired, and you got Jalen Hurts, and you're getting your butts kicked every week. Right? It wasn't that long ago, folks, that they, you know, they beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. You know, Philadelphia. Um, you know, San Francisco was in the Super Bowl, what, two, three years ago. Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch. Where are they at? It, you know, pretty soon they'll be coming after them. And it's just amazing to me that, you know, this happened. So, yes, I am I am happy that the stories we write are relevant, that the franchise I cover is relevant. Um, but more than that, it's been interesting getting to know Brady and watch him. And I think I think we are seeing the real Tom Brady. You know, I've talked to people that covered him for 18 years, 20 years up in New England, and they know him personally a lot better than, than than maybe what his perception was but but he's also gotten older and he's changed his priorities are different um you know he's certainly leaning more you know not that not that football means less but you know you, you can see where you know his family um you know his kids are getting older they're coming around more we saw vivian in the in the news conference the other day his little daughter they were throwing the football around his number 600 football in the locker room We've seen his son come to camp. Um, you know, it's just it's just different, man. He's in a different place. And, you know, so I, I do think whether it's whether it's the weather, uh, Bruce Arians, win or lose, we booze, baby, um, you know, out from under the oppressive sort of we're on the Cincinnati Belichickian way, he, he, he will tell you he has found his voice. He's relaxed. He's never felt better physically, even though he's 44 years old. He's got the best weapons he's ever had on any team that he's ever played for uh, in New England and, you know, and then, of course, you know, since he came here. So what's not to like? I mean, I, I think this is going to be like Haley's comment. Like, we're going to look back and go, did that happen? Did that really happen? Brady came here and, and went to a couple of Super Bowls and won one or two or whatever it is, and it's gonna be, then it's going to be over. And, folks, prepare for, you know, please raise your trade tables to an upright position and, Fasten your seatbelts because when this is over, it's going to crash. <laughs> it's going to be – we're going to be right back to being who's our quarterback, who's our coach, who's our quarterback, who's our coach. And that's just the way the, – that's the cycle of the NFL. And you never want to be on that other end, but but most teams are, you know. And God bless Kyle Trask. Maybe he will have learned his lessons and he's going to use his time the way he did waiting for his chance at Florida, and maybe he'll kill it. I mean, that's that's the plan right now. Um, but, you know, all these 30-something-year-old free agents that signed for a year, and you, you take all these guys out, and, you know, Mike Evans is going into his ninth, then 10th, then 11th seed. Like, I, I don't know, man. This is – if you're lucky enough to be a Bucks fan now, I would say sit back and really enjoy it. Like, savor every game. Because we go into games like last week. I can't remember the last time. Like, you know, I'd have given you as many points as you needed that the Bucks were going to beat Chicago. Like, I just knew it. 
You know what I mean? I can't re- Can you remember a time when you would just turn on the TV? Regardless of, I mean, how many teams, Steve, do you turn on the TV and go, oh, this is going to be a blowout? This you is know? the only time since I've been in Tampa that the Bucks can say that. Yeah. What a question. It was like, they're going to win, but by how much? Mm-hmm. You know? No, I mean, it, it's – and I was – my buddy was texting me over the weekend. He goes, man, you don't re- – you forget how dominant this team is that you're, like, going to a game. You're like, yeah, they're going to win this game. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, the Lightning well, were like they that won- a couple years ago. And Oh, yeah, when they won the President's Cup. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was just like you're just sitting there. Yeah, they got this. Tuning, no problem. tuning people, yeah. It was a matter of how many goals. They're going to beat them by, you know, is it six six to three? Is I mean, it? I mean, the Rays have kind of been one? that way lately. Not necessarily every game because baseball, you know, with 162 you lose. But you're like, they got this series. They'll take two right. or three of this team. No problem. Right. You know. Oh, and, we're spoiled. Yeah. Oh. Like as as a as a city as a as a region, I mean, we're totally spoiled, right? Like, you know, teams winning a hundred games in baseball, you know, World Series one year, back to back Stanley Cup champions. They need to get going, by the way. Um, you know, just I mean, and then of course the box, which has just been been an unbelievable zero to sixty, you know, one hundred sixty miles an hour. Well, and and look, understand this too, and and I'll I'll. I'll kind of counter your argument there's 15 teams that like their quarterback this year not 14 because there's a team that's not going to make the playoffs that likes their quarterback and that's Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs that's true they've got him as a good quarterback and they're not going to make it you're right and and their schedule is tough and and Ryan Clark was on Sports Center after Monday Night Football Monday night just eviscerating Mahomes and and how bad he's playing and you know how the coaching isn't helping it, and everything else. I mean, that's know. what that's okay. That's what I've heard. That's what I've what I have heard. Like from the industry insiders that I sit next to on mm-hmm. occasion, these national guys that go around. What I have heard is they're not helping Mahomes. Yeah. That that you know they don't have the play. Like you know Andy's not calling plays. I I don't know what to make of their offensive coordinator. He's been you know Eric not Bianchi. hired. Yeah, the enemy's not been hired by many guys, and and everybody seems to think that it's a you know it's a travesty. You should have a head coaching job. Maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. But what, from what I hear is they're you know they have relied far too much on Mahomes just creating plays, mm-hmm. you know, extending play like the offensive line. They they tried to rebuild the offensive line after last year's debacle. Guess what? These guys aren't much better. They're just not like they didn't help them that much. Um, the yeah, run, he's got Tyree. The game's been non-existent. The receivers yeah, they are got, dropping passes. The... And the defense, like, you're going to be behind. Like, you start every game and you're down 7 nothing, 10 nothing, 13. It's like, well, Pat will bring us back. No. like, And, he, and he's still out there trying to be creative and trying to make plays. But what they got to do is accept the fact that they're not very good, okay, as a football team. And they don't have a lot around him. You know, outside of a couple, you know, like I said, Kelsey and Tyree Kill, and that, but they don't have a running game. They don't have a go-to back. They can't take any pressure off of them. So what they need to do is like, and he needs to do this too. Like he needs to throttle it back and stop thinking that you're you're going to win the way you won three years ago or two years ago or even last year by just going out there and bombing people and and you know outscoring them and and making up for all the the warts on your football team um, and, and just try to get a game into the fourth quarter. You know, what they need to do is like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to play, we're going to drag, we're going to punt the ball. 
We're we're not gonna like make stupid plays. We're not gonna run around and you know like our hairs on fire and throw back across the middle of the field and get intercepted. Like I am going to throw the ball in the seats. And that's the thing that Brady does better. You know, everybody like marvels. Oh, Tom Brady again. Like how does he do it? He keeps winning. Well, because Brady doesn't have an ego in terms of. And I've talked to Byron Leftwich about this. He he doesn't care. Like. If he throws for 200 and they win or he throws for 500 and they win, now he'd much rather throw for 500 and four touchdowns. But the key is, does he put points on the board? Does he win the game? And and Brady will sit there and, and run the ball all day or check it down all day if it means he's going to beat you. You know, because he's, he's, he doesn't care. He's beyond the whole, I you know, I've got to establish myself as one of the best in the league, yada, yada, yada. This is me. I'm, I'm Patrick Mahomes and this is what I do. No. No, like you got to find a way to win games, and when you're not very good, you got to find a way to win games until you get that identity. This team is not last year's team. It's not the same team they had two years ago. They're bad on defense. Patrick Mahomes has to find a way to keep his team in the game, which means not turning it over, right? Playing playing possession football, and then when you get to the fourth quarter, hope he can make enough plays to win. It's kind of what Seattle did with Russell Wilson for the last I don't know, however long he's been there. Um, it's an awful lot to put on your quarterback, but they got no chance if he just goes out there and starts, you know, continues to run around and think he's going to make these amazing plays. It's just not happening. He's not helping them at this point. They're three and, and not, f- yeah. Go ahead. It's not his fault. I'm just saying, but it, but he's not he's not playing to their deficiencies, which is what he yeah. needs to do. They're three and four. They have six games left with teams that have two losses or less. Oh, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, they've got to play the Packers, the Cowboys. Yeah. The Raiders yeah. twice, the yeah. Bengals, and the Chargers. Yeah, they're not making the playoffs. They might win eight, you know, mm-hmm. eight and nine team. That's that's what I think. And you're right. They do love their quarterback, so that would be one more. And, and you know who else loves their quarterback? Probably Jacksonville. You know, like some of these well, recently, yeah, yeah. Young you know, guys, yeah. young guys. But, I mean, but give them a few years, right? The Bucks had one of those. His name was Jameis Winston. He's playing Sunday for the Saints. So, you know. That that wears thin too, and bad organizations are the ones that end up with those high draft picks to take those quarterbacks. So, yeah, it's um, it is Camelot right now. There was a I thought there was a Camelot period when Tony Dungy took over because he turned this franchise around. They made him play, perennial playoff team. Um, they couldn't get over the hump. They brought in Johnny, won the Super Bowl. But Gruden had you know a couple other seasons where he won the NFC South, got in the playoffs, didn't win any games. But since then. Until now, until Brady showed up, it has been like the the wrong half of the NFL. It's not fun for the fan base, and that's the thing. Like the fan base doesn't get into it. If you're a Bucks fan now, oh my gosh, you got to be pinching yourself. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, there's not a better time. There's never been a better time to be a Bucks fan than right now. And and I I'll be honest, when when Brady's done, I don't know how long it'll be before you have this same kind of enjoyment. So live it up, people. You know. Because it's gonna be it's gonna be fast. I mean, he he could play till he's sixty, but he's not going to, in my opinion. At some point, you know, two three years, you sign for another season. So I would I would say, okay, you got this season and next if he doesn't get hurt. And then, like he said on his podcast the other day, he goes, it's gonna be it's not gonna be a physical decision. I think physically, I could play forever. He goes, it's gonna be an emotional decision. Mm-hmm. It's gonna and be family. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be family, right? What's the roster around me look like? 
Um, well, not even that. Like that's football. Like I, I just think it's going to be well. But, my kid, but, my 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 kid. How much more? Listen, there's a huge sacrifice on his family for him to do this job. Mm-hmm. The way he does it, because he's consumed, right? And he's got. I don't know how he like his time is unbelievable. Like how's he manage all this? You know, he's got the podcast on Monday. You know, he's on Manning Show. He's doing all these commercials. Like I don't know how he manages all that he does. But whatever it is he's doing, he's not spending it with his family. Okay, if you see him on TV, you see him. That's time away from his family. And because football, he's all in. Like somebody asked him the other day, "Hey Tom, what are you going to do on your you know your mini bye week?" He goes, "What? What do you mean?" <laughs> he goes, "It's football season, man. This is what I do. I'm not. I mean, he had a couple of days off, but he he was going to continue to dive into football. He's not going to fly off, you know, to Costa Rica with with Giselle." Um, you know that's off season stuff, and I, look, I'm not, I'm not having a pity party for Tom Brady in his life because he has a pretty damn good one. He's got a beautiful family, but they have to be supportive of him. And there comes a point where he can't be the priority anymore. Like his kids need to be, his wife need, like that's what's going to do it for him. Is like, you know, I've done it, I've done it enough. They, I, they deserve my time now. They deserve my attention now. It's got to be about them and not me. You know, that's that's what's going to do it. It's not going to be because he can't play, in my opinion. All right, Kyle tweeted us, how did Kevin Minter play filling in for Levante David? Didn't hear his name called, which tells me he didn't make any splash plays, but also didn't get burned either. Yeah, well, I mean, Kevin Minter is what he's always been, which is somebody that um, is a special teams captain that, you know, can run down, cover kicks, do all those things, is a smart player, doesn't need a lot of reps, that if you get an injury, an inside linebacker, he can go in and keep you from losing the games. And if you need him to start three or four games, he'll probably keep you from losing those games too. Is he on any t- – how many teams could Kevin Minter start for? Probably none. You know, uh, he was a free agent. And, you know, he's back here as a backup. So if there was if there was a starting job for the Kevin Minters of the world, they would have taken him by now. But But this is the lifeblood of the NFL. You know, the NFL – like you need, and and I remember Raheem Morris telling me how he learned this lesson, you know, early in his coaching career here in Tampa, and there wasn't much he could do about it because they wouldn't spend money. But when you get an injury, you don't need the rookie stepping in, right? You don't need the the first year guy that's not played much. You need experienced guys. If you're a contending team, and you're going to lose somebody like a Levante David, you need a dude who has been in the fire, right? And that can hold up. That's the word you hear in the NFL. Well, he can hold up at inside linebacker. We'll pair him with Devin White. Now they're, you know, they've made Devin White do more stuff, and it's taken away from Devin White's ability to make some splash plays. But Minter is held up, and you know he's not he's not giving up the big play. He's occasionally making a big play. He's making tackles. Communicates well. He knows where he's supposed to be. And again, he's not somebody that most teams or any teams would would say, oh, that's my inside linebacker, that's my guy. But every good football team has these players that if you lose a starter three, four, five, maybe eight weeks, he's going to hold up. You're not as good of an offense or, a offense or a defense, but that's who Kevin Minner is a pro's pro. He'll, he's going to be assignment sound. Um, he's got good technique. He maybe won't make the splash plays, but you know what? Sometimes he will. He's a pretty good pass rusher. For the number of reps he gets, he gets a fairly high level of sacks. So, 
I, I love Kevin Mitchell. He's exactly what you want in the NFL, you know, a guy that always is prepared as if he's a starter. And then when he goes in, he he's assignment ready and you don't have this huge drop off. There's always player A, player B, right? There's a difference. Your starters are starters for a reason. And even though everybody says, well, it's the next man up. Yeah, that's true. But that next man wasn't starting. And there's a reason because the guy in front of him was better. So you have a drop off. Let's not kid ourselves. But it's it's not so significant that you're just getting torched because, you know, Levante David's out of the lineup. Like, you're still winning games. And so, yeah, I, I think he's done a nice job. And, and uh, you know, the hope is that this week they get Levante back and, and you're better as a result of it. But everybody needs the Kevin Minters, and this team has needed him, you know, several times because Levante's had some injuries. Randall tweeted, has there been an uptick in injuries in the NFL this year, or is it just the Bucks' secondary in my fantasy football team? If so, is it the shorter preseason, quality of offseason conditioning, anything else? I haven't seen the stats. You know, they usually trot those out sort of at the end of the year, and um, and sometimes they, they make rule changes as a result of them. Um, I, I You know, people are more aware of injuries because of fantasy football. There's no question about that, you know. I can put something – I can write the the best story I think I've written all week. And we get these analytics about how many people click on them, read them, all this stuff. And then I can write a story on Friday that says, you know, Antonio Brown is out. And that story will go viral, right? And you're like, wait a minute. It's just, okay, it's one player. He's out. But everybody has a fantasy team. And everybody has Antonio Brown or they're playing somebody that has Antonio Brown. So, you know, I, I think we're more aware of injuries than ever before. I don't know that there are more injuries. They do keep those stats, and they usually tell us at the owner's meeting before the Super Bowl what kind of injuries are up, whether they're up, down. You hear the big names, and, you know, that's, that's always going to be the case. But I, I will say this. The Bucks have had more injuries this year than last year. For that sure, does, but they didn't. But that that's that's to say, last year yeah, was. But right. last year was the outlier. They were not extremely this year. healthy last year. Last year was the outlier, though. Mm-hmm. Like that's not you. And, and to be honest with you, most Super Bowl teams, not all, but most Super Bowl teams, are teams that were fortunate mm-hmm. with injuries. Most of them, you know, Kansas City made it to a Super Bowl and, ha- and were obliterated on the offensive line. What you what what what's more striking about this year with the Bucks? Yes, there are more injuries. But a couple things about that, okay? One, um, we're more cognizant of them because they've attacked one area. You know, predominantly the the secondary has been obliterated. So, you know, it's it's like this constant, like, you know, death by a thousand paper cups. It's the same position. You know, this corner, that corner, this safety, that safety. So I think we're, you know, we're like, wow, this is this is crazy. There's so many injuries. But they're concentrated on one spot. You know, so so that's that's part of it, is that you're more aware of it, and then the other thing is that you're more aware because you're more aware because of fantasy football and everything else. I don't have anything to compare it to, but yeah, based on last year when they didn't get anybody hurt, they had a couple guys on COVID. They've been fortunate with COVID this year so far. And knock on wood, if you're a Bucks fan, um, other teams have not. But it's all part of it, man. Like you, and again, don't have the stats league wide. Definite uptick for the Bucks, no question. But compared to what? Compared to a year where they lost Vita Vea for a season, and even even this year, okay, 
because no question the injuries are a deal. But they haven't had the, you know, oh, he's out for the season injury. They mm-hmm. haven't had the catastrophic injury. They've they got guys who are on are they're on IR, but they hope to get them back this season. And in some cases a few weeks. So whatever you think of what's going on over there, they 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 would probably tell you we're okay. Like we're okay. You know, we we we're, we haven't lost guys for the year and Quite frankly, as long as TB12 was upright, you got a chance. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, David asked, The way that former and current players talk about Tony Dungy and Bruce Arians contrasted with what Keyshawn and others said about John Gruden makes me wonder. In the eyes of the players, what Tampa Bay coaches of all sports have been the best to play for and who's been the worst? Wow, all sports? Well, I haven't covered all sports. I mean, uh, we've had some pretty good coaches, I would say. I mean, you go back to Joe Madden. Mm-hmm. Even before that, Lou Pinella, I think I think players enjoyed playing for Lou, but the team was so damn bad that it wasn't even funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin Cash, think about, I think players enjoy playing for Kevin. Kevin Cash is, is very well-liked, yeah. And, and Cash, former player, totally understands he, he has to be responsible for the buy-in. You know, when you see a team that's willing to, you know, pitch the first two innings, the last two innings, the middle two innings, uh, you know, play, you know, 12 different positions, play three times a week, four times a week, five times a week. Like, yeah, you've got a pretty good manager that's that's able to communicate and buy in. Look, Dungy was beloved because of a couple of things. One, at that period, the Bucks had had 12 straight double-digit losing seasons, I think, when he arrived, and he lost – more than 10 games himself the first year. Um, but then he made them, like I said, you know, he went to playoffs four out of six years, made them perennial playoff team, went to a championship, built a team that was capable of going to the Super Bowl. That was that was sort of a – because of what what he represented, because he's a nice man, um, you know, people rooted for Tony Dungy. He still lives here. They still like him. Um, and, and he had good – he had good character players, right? We saw what Warwick done and, and – you know, even though they, you know, some of these guys like Derek Brooks was drafted before Tony got here, but you know, nonetheless, it was a likable group of guys that made an impact on the community and you know, all that stuff. So he's always going to be beloved because he got the Bucks to the brink. He made them relevant. He made them a playoff team again. He made you, he made you hope that you could win a Super Bowl one day. And then, you know, Gruden took it over and and did it. And when John got here, he was a rock star. I mean, there was. This is one of the biggest falls from grace in the history of sport, I think, with what Gruden's going through right now. Um, charismatic as hell, uh, could absolutely, you know, call plays, understood the game, worked his butt off, had passion, all that stuff. John wasn't as well liked by players. I think they appreciated his his genius. I think they appreciated that without him, they may not have gotten over the hump and gotten a ring on their fingers because he held the offense accountable um but 
you know, the thing about John is, you know, I think I don't think guys really knew where they stood. You know, I think I think there was a tendency for for players like Keyshawn, like others, to you know have Gruden say something nice to them one second, and then as soon as you know you're out of the room, he's ripping you to pieces. And everybody knew that. Like I knew that. You know, reporters knew that, right? Um, and so that was just sort of his way. So I don't know that he was ever you know beloved in that mm-hmm. sense. You know, Tortorella. I mean, how many battles did Vinny LeCavier have with that guy? Tortorello's right? one, and I think there's a little difference than Gruden, because I think players knew where they stood with him. I don't think yeah. there's any question about that. Yeah. Tortorello's one where players didn't necessarily like playing for him, but later realized he had their best a, interest at heart. What a great yeah. coach he was and how much better they were because they did play for him. Exactly. And, you know, but I I don't think there was ever a question of where you stood. It wasn't like he was saying something to your face and then going telling other people bad things. That's not Torres. Right. At right. All. Right, you know, I, I think I think some of the coaches, you know, that players probably didn't like playing for. Shiano may have been one. May have been. Uh, Barry Melrose. Wait, 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 well, that was you mean those sixteen <laughs> sixteen games? games? You, yeah, it's kind of hard to. I guess you could not like playing for a guy for sixteen games, but it seems like it was not that long to know. That's like I didn't like my first wife. We got we got annulled after sixteen days. Um, yeah. Look, Shiano, the problem with Greg Shiano in the NFL, at least, and he's back at Rutgers, which seems to be where he belongs. Um, and, and college coaches have this problem, is that it's not college. You know, like you have grown-ass men with families and mortgages, man. And, you know, you come in here with the rah-rah attitude, and they've heard all that stuff, you know. And that's not to say you can't be the quote-unquote quote disciplinarian. Like, you know, Bill Parcells was – was that Tom right? Coughlin was Tom Coughlin was that oh god in Jacksonville they hated him in the beginning um but you know the difference is I always say this like if you win it's it's all about whether you win or not mm-hmm. and and you know players players just want as coaches they just like help me stay in the league help me make my money and feed my family give me something that's going to help me win on Sunday or do my job better if you can't do that, they figure it out real fast, and then they're done with you. And, you know, it's not like college where you just go out and draft, you know, go out and sign a bunch of new guys and a new recruiting class comes in next year and, you know, we'll get rid of all these dudes and we'll start over. Like, you can't do that, right? Um, so it's just it's such a different job that, you know, it, it's hard to explain. But But, yeah, I mean, I think – Shiano was disliked because one he didn't win. But if if you if you're if you're a guy that yells and screams a lot and you win, they say you're disciplinarian. His teams are disciplined. He he's got passion. He cares. If you scream and yell and you lose, you're a nut job. You're out of control. Right? Uh you have no control over yourself. Your your team, you know, is, is are hotheads. They commit stupid penalties because you can't control yourself, much less your team. If you're a guy that stands on the sidelines and your arms are folded and you don't yell and scream and you win, you're Tom Landry. You're that guy. You're cerebral. Look at the control. Look at look at how his teams, you know, isn't represent that, him. Isn't that John they Cooper? Right, to some degree. Yeah. Like, but if you lose and you're that guy, mm-hmm. same guy. 
right? Stands on the sidelines, aren't folded. When he started losing in the playoffs, same guy. His teams lack fire. He's not passionate enough, right? Tony Dungy. I mean, Tony Dungy was both guys in the same job here in Tampa. So it's really just about whether you win or lose. People are going to label you either way. Um, and, you know, Gruden, when he was winning, charismatic, you know, prodigy, young, exciting, new, new age guy, you know, workaholic, passionate. When he was losing, you know, Chucky, you know, me guy, egomaniac, you know, it's the same guy. It's just the narrative is controlled based on whether you win or lose. That's all. I thought the media controlled that. Rick, the media controls the narrative. I need to know. My man, Michael Clayton, man, I love talking to that guy on Sunday. This is going to be a good one. I hope you guys listen to uh, to our countdown to kickoff or whatever they call that show these days, and I'm on there with Mike and uh, T. Kraz. It's going to be good because it's about Jameis Winston. <laughs> he was he was passionate about Jameis. He did not. He did not. He thought Jameis got a raw deal here. Mm-hmm. I I disagreed. But regardless, it doesn't matter because Tom came in and won a Super Bowl, and Jameis is starting for the New Orleans, so everybody wins. All right, we'll switch to baseball, and Michael tweeted, the Rays' front office and coaching staff has mastered the regular season. What do they need to do differently to master the postseason? Again, they need to win. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, even with the Rays, right? You win, you get to the World Series, and everything's going great. It's like... Innovative, cerebral, you play to win cutting the game. edge. Hello, huh? You play to win the game. You hello? play to win the game. Don't forget the hello, hello. As Kerm always says to me, um, here's what I, here's what I think. I think as Peter King would say, I think, I think baseball. You know, baseball, right? It's been played for a million years. I think you're going to see the pendulum swing back. A little bit and what I mean by that is yes we can do the analytic thing can and most teams are and yes we can all pitch two innings matchups even into the playoffs a lot of teams are doing that too but however however when you get to the postseason and every at-bat is magnified and every strike is scrutinized and the umpires are under more pressure and you know guys that would be happy to take their walks, they feel like they need to get a base hit or maybe they will take their walks when they used to swing up there and be free and strike out. Things change when you get to the postseason. There's so much at stake. You know, Each out means something. Each pitch has a purpose, right? That... I almost think, like, you really do need, if you can find them, and that's why they make all the money, right, the Charlie freaking Mortons of the world, the guys that can get you through the lineup, not just twice, but maybe three times. But at minimum, at minimum, you know he's gonna, you're going to hand him the ball and he's going to go out there and he's going to give you everything he has. And when you pull him out of the game, you're in the game. You're in the game. You're winning. Or you're right there. Like, you know, that that to me 
you can play these matchups all you want to, but there's so much pressure in the postseason that it changes. It changes people. And, and the analytics are great for 162 games. But when you get in the postseason, you know, certain guys light up. Look, look what Rosario has done with the Red Sox. You know, um, you can't account you the Braves, or, what, with the Braves or the Braves. I'm sorry. Yeah, with the Braves. A, a Rosarena, you know, set freaking records like who could account for that? Now, the rest of the team didn't come along. Right. But in the postseason in October, it's about it's it, it's you know, it does funny things. Brandon Lau, 99 RBIs, 39 home runs. For the last two postseasons, he couldn't be any tighter. I'm surprised sawdust isn't flying out of his hands when he swings a bat in the postseason. You know? And, and that's what it's about. It's like, you know, it's great, you know, for 162 games. Eh, we'll get him tomorrow. You know? Well... You know what? When you have a five to two, when you get a grand slam, you have a five to two lead in game two uh, over the Red Sox. You can't have Shane Boz not hold it. You know, you can't have a bullpen that you know you need eighteen outs and and no one no and you can't get it. Like, no, you need that stud pitcher. I and I really think that that you know they've kind of. I mean, if I'm a pitcher these days. And I think I could be a, a stud starter. Like I'm, I'm a little upset the way I don't like the way baseball is trending. You know, I don't like. So you want me to go out there and throw as hard as I can, or snap as many sliders because that's my out pitch as I can. You don't want you don't want me to throw the change up and the you know it's like no here's your swing and miss pitch throw this all the time. I don't, you know, I don't know that I want it. I don't know that it's going to lengthen my career. You say, well, we're not pitching you as many innings. Yeah, well, if I'm throwing maximum effort for two, three innings, you know, because that's all I'm going to get, and you want me out there, it's got to be 98, 97. Like, I don't know. I want that guy that knows how to pitch. I want that guy that knows how to get people out in October That's that, you know, can go through a lineup three times and figure it out. So I think, you know, that – that's where the money's going to be, obviously. It always has been. And I, I think you're going to see maybe a swing the other way. I, I don't know. Maybe baseball's too too ingrained in the analytics now to ever come back. But, boy, it seems to me if you've got guys that can, you know, get you deep into a game and then go to your bullpen and then use your matchups down the stretch, now you got something. But what was it I saw the other day? Um, was it the Red Sox that had two hits in a game? One of the last games they played, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Somebody somebody shut them down. Yep. You know? Well, so. I, the other part about analytics, and I, I think it's a tremendous tool, and for 162 games, it works. If you're committed to them and you yeah. play the odds, it, it's, it's going like to It's like you play out. blackjack at the, at That's right. the casino. The house, right. the house knows that they're going to win 51% of the time if you play enough. Yep. You know, you may win short term. Because you played twenty hands today, and you ended up. You got to be willing to get up and walk away. Yeah, yeah. Over seven games, the analytics don't work. No, there's not enough. There's not enough sample size to right. even out over the course of a season. Brendan Lau got off to a horrible start in the regular season. Sure, he did. ended up having a phenomenal season. Yeah, got hosed. But he can't out of the turn it around. Slogan. Yeah, he can't turn it around in in right. five games in October. Analytics are great, but at some point in a seven game or a five game series. 
you got to use the eye test at times. The gut, yeah. You know, because human uh, emotions. Game right. two, Tanner Houck was dealing on the mound, and right-handers couldn't do anything against him. Get your left-handers right. in there quicker than you normally would. Right. Right. This wasn't a, this wasn't an average Tanner Houck outing, or you know, actually Chris Sale had started the game, gave up the grand slam. Right. They put Houck in, and your lineup was set for a lefty. They bring the righty in, and he's dealing. Mm-hmm. You got to adjust. The analytics yeah. may have said to hold off to put in Meadows till later, and Gene Van Choi till later. But the eye test said, "I got to get something going." Yeah, you know, it's things like that that I, I don't think the Rays have fully, you know, wherever it stems from, prepared to to make adjustments in the. And it doesn't mean you throw analytics out the window in the postseason. No, there's I mean, still a tool. You go but... look. This guy doesn't. You know, left-handers don't hit him well. Okay, I want to hit right-handers against him, and and histories and all. That. I mean, that's all part of the analytics, absolutely. But yeah, there are times where you say Blake Snell's throwing the game of his life. Right. Never pitched better in his life. I'll right. let him go a couple extra batters. And that was a mistake. And Kevin Cash mm-hmm. will go to his grave saying he did do it. He'd do the same thing again, and he'd get the same result. And I think as a player. Anyone will tell you this, when a guy's out there and he's locking you up like that a couple times through the lineup, mm-hmm. you don't care who if they brought in Sandy Koufax in his prime. You don't care. You just want that guy out of there. You just want to see somebody else to give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. And you do the other team a favor. You do them a favor when some guy's out there and he's sticking it up, you know, their backsides, and all of a sudden, you know, you come and get them. You're like, thank you. Thank you. I don't care who comes out of that bullpen. It, we're going to have a better chance against him. Mm-hmm. I don't care who it is. Yep. On this night, this guy owns us. Please take him out. And and just emotionally, whether it happens or not, emotionally, that, that dugout gets a lift. There's still a human side to this game. No, it's played by humans. Mm-hmm. It's You can feel it. It's palatable, right? Yep. You can feel when some guy is, is, is struggling. You can feel the pressure, mm-hmm. you know? That's why Brendan um, Lau should have bat seventh. Right, drop him in, in, in the lineup. Four. You know, you had yes. Meadows was batting seventh and Lau was third. Why didn't you flip those for your left? Why not flip them? Yeah, right. You yeah. know, and now Meadows has this thing. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I don't care what he does during the regular season anymore. You know, for that matter, the Rays are kind of Brendan there, right? Lau. You mean Lau? Brent Lau, yeah. yeah. Who did I say? Meadows. Meadows. Yeah, Lau. Meadows yeah, only had what, nine at bats in the series. Yeah, that, which makes no sense to me either. You're leading RBI guy. And and somehow he's not playing every day or most days. I don't care if they're facing left-handers or not. Like I can't, I can't die with my best RBI guy on the bench. And he certainly shouldn't be batting. So, but anyway, but Brandon, like I don't care what he does during the regular season. To some extent, the Rays are there. Show me in October. You could hit fifty home runs next year and drive in one hundred and twenty-five and be the MVP of the American League. Doesn't matter. Dude, you got to do it in October. <laughs> like you, you can't be over. Like you can't be that guy, and come up in clutch situations with men on base, time after time. I mean, he could have beat the Red Sox by himself, as many situations as he got to hit in those last two games. But yeah, that's where that's where the that's where the instincts have to take over. It really does. All right, last tweeted. Well, the uncertainty around the new stadium plus this dual city nonsense, make it difficult for the Rays to get a quality free agent to come to Tampa Bay? Seems like this may kick in after the 2023 season. Players do follow the money, but that road rarely leads to Tampa Bay. 
Yeah, I'm one. I've been on both sides of this issue. I'm one that 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 says that the money decides it. You know, I mean, look, the Rays are a good organization. They've been a perennial playoff team. Florida has no state income tax. If they're going to do the dual city thing, they're going to have to get approval from the Players Association and figure out how they're going to compensate these guys who have to live in two cities. Like, you know, and if you've got a family, I don't even know how you attempt that. But that aside, there'll be some sort of they'll incentivize players in some way that have to be in that predicament. I mean, hell, it, you know, because of COVID, if you played for the Toronto Blue Jays, you played in three different cities the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, four almost. So. I mean, you know, that, that none of that is, is ideal, and you just got to kind of roll with it. If I were a player that could say I can, the money was the same, and I mean within, you know, relative speaking, and I could play in one city, have one residence, not have to move from Tampa to Montreal at a certain point, yeah, absolutely. I think that is going to be a factor. But I think they're going to have to overpay as a result of that, and I'm here to tell you it's it's, you know, They'll say it's not about the money. It's always about the money. It'll be interesting money, if it comes up in the CBA negotiations this offseason. Yeah. And it may or may not. I mean, you know, the players could try to start to say no to this at this point, or they may kick the can down the road. Well, I think they'll, I think they'll kick the can down the road because I mm-hmm. think it, if it becomes a reality, that's when they're going to have their say. Yep. That's when they're going to say, okay, cool. So this is gonna, this, we're going to do this. Okay, what's in it for us? So, you know, this organization is going to have the benefit of two cities and all that broadcast revenue, right, from two to – because, hey, when they're in Montreal, when they're coming to Montreal, I still want to watch them in Tampa because I know this team's going to show up here in June. And when they go – when they leave Tampa Bay, I still want to watch them in Tampa. So there's there's obviously extra revenue involved, you know. Um, so, So what's the cut? What's in it for me? That's what it's going to come down to. But until they do it, until it becomes a reality, you know, that that's going to be the question the players' association has to answer. Like, how are we? How are we going to? You know, what kind of hardship are we putting our players under here too? Like these, you know, it's it's tough to do what they're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know how you do it. All right, we'll end on this. And Jeff had tweeted us: the Bolts just keep thinking teams are going to lie down because they've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. This is getting worrisome. I don't think they're going to lie down. I think they're giving them the best shot. I think that's why they're struggling. I mean, it's just the opposite. Like, you know, I I think the I think they're keenly aware. They they were defending champions and then won that won it again. So they they know all too well what it's like to have the cup and go into Buffalo and get their best shot. This is what they've been getting for two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's that. I don't you know I don't think they they just assume teams are going to roll over for them. I, I just think I don't think they're playing that poorly right now. They're not well, scoring. They're, they're, they're but, not but, scoring, and so that amplifies but that's everything. Huge. Well, no, it is. It is. Right. But but like I mean, we're taping this before Tuesday's game versus Pittsburgh. But Monday night they're going to score eight goals. Well, yeah. <laughs> but Monday night against Buffalo, I mean, the Lightning dominated play for most of that game. Now they didn't score, and there's reasons for it, and they had some egregious turnovers that led to goals. Right. You well, when you're I mean, not scoring, when you're not scoring, those turnovers are magnified. Right. You know, if you're up four to one and you give one away, it's like, man. Eh. Exactly. I mean, and and look, they're still trying to figure out how to replace Goodrow, Coleman, Gord, Tyler Johnson, and Nikita Kucherov all from the playoffs. That's the problem right there. Um, 
even if you put Kucherov aside because they played without him a year ago, that fourth line, they started the game, right? They started, they started every period. They yeah. were out there almost every time on the shift after a goal, which is a very important shift. And the Lightning yeah, have struggled with that down. shift this year. So. Yeah, shut it down. Yeah, When they needed some energy, they needed to, to grab momentum. They could throw that yeah. line over the boards, and it generally swung back their way. And, and Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If they had to do it over again, would Yanni Gord be given up in the expansion draft? Yes. Really? They were going to – look – there's no other combination of players they could have given them. So that would have... in, in order to to keep more forwards, right? You had to. You would have lost Ryan McDonough because then you could have. Well, to, in order to protect, well, that more would forwards, suck. That to, would suck. In order would, to, is that would that have been a better? Would, I mean, in retrospect, and we're only well, a few games into the season, would that have been a better decision? So, losing your top one half of your top. So here's top what this defenseman. Your top two. I mean, your shutdown line is Chernak and McDonough. Well, I got Hedman. You got it. Well, but Hedman doesn't play the shutdown line anymore. Well, he might have to. Well, but he. You want him playing more of an offensive role. He's paired with Ruda. I mean, they play. Look, defense. You're going to play top minutes, and you're going to play in, in those situate power play or penalty kill and all that. But you want Hedman, Hedman's on the power play every time. He's not the yeah. first one over the boards on the penalty kill. Matter of fact, he doesn't normally penalty kill anymore. Unless there's an injury, McDonough's in the box, Chernak's in the box. What you know? They don't put Hedman on the penalty kill that often. You know, they want I McDonough think, and Chernak out there. They want. I think McDonough's an unbelievable player, and in the playoffs, he might have been their best player. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you go back and watch how this guy played, it was yeah. ridiculous, right? And that that might maybe convince him as much as anything. Like, no, we can't get rid of this guy. However. Isn't there just a little bit of fire that's missing from this team? Because no, no question, no question. But here's what the Lightning are banking on, and and maybe it'll prove out, maybe it won't. This team, who's won back to back cups, returned every forward off their top two lines, the best goalie in the world, and their top five defensemen. Well, they're talented. They should be winning. But, but what win. I'm saying is, if defense wins championships. They returned their top five defensemen. They lost David Savard, brought in Zach Bogosian. And, and so they're counting on our top two lines, our defense and goalie, are going to be good enough, and then we'll bring the young guys up. And then they signed Pierre-Edward Belmar, which I really like. Corey Perry's done well. And then you've got the young kids. You know, Matthew Joseph, you need to take another step, and he's looked good for the most part. Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk have looked good. Alex Barry Boulay got in his first game Monday night. It's going to be a work in progress. And, and losing Cooch really hurts because now you've lost someone off that top six for a significant part of the season. But Yanni Gord, man. Uh, you didn't want to lose him. But because, but <laughs> what is it, Yanni Gord, really? I, there wasn't any other option, really? I, it was, I mean, it was that or McDonough. I mean, you were because uh, you had to lose. Because of the salary cap? So you could protect four forwards and four defensemen. Or seven forwards and three defensemen. You weren't going to give up Hedman. They, they you chose you four. They chose, they chose the four defensemen. You, you couldn't expose Hedman because he had a no-move clause. Yeah. So then it's pick your defenseman you want to lose. Sergachev, Chernak, or McDonough. What if you gave up Sergachev? 24, 25-year-old left-handed defenseman. 
He's taking a bigger role every year with your team. Eventually, McDonough's going to be done, and he's going to be your other lefty with Hedman. Yeah. I don't know. Something's missing, man. And I mean, no, no, obviously, no the question. best player in the league is missing off and, your and team. Look, that, we talk about it. With, we've talked about it with the Chiefs and the Bucks, and you know, last year's team is not this year's team. No, they're all different. It's going to take and, them a while. And, and, and they're six games into trying to find their way, and three yeah. games in, they lost their best offensive player. Yeah, and if you did that with any team in the league, mm-hmm. they'd struggle. You take the best offensive player, you know, off any team right now, and they're not going to be the same team. They're going to struggle. I, I look is is their start ideal? No. Do they have some catching up to do? Yes. They still have a lot of things to figure out. Absolutely. You think they're going to be fine? But I, I, I've said all along, this first half of the season is going to be a struggle. Okay, you want to you want to like, stay five hundred, stay within reach. Are you going to be buried in the first half? Well, is the second half going to be like, oh, we got to run down ten teams. Well, if you're staying at five hundred or so, you should be fine. You'll be mm-hmm. in that mix. I mean, you don't want to be St. Louis a few years ago was last in you know January third yeah. or whatever it was, yeah, and, and ended up winning the cup. I just I think it's going to be a work in progress this year. I think that from the young players to navigate. I mean, you know, Kucherov's injury was huge, and and. Yes, they played without him last year, but they also had the the fourth line and Tyler Johnson. Their forward depth yeah. was much bigger, and they knew going into the season they were without him. You know that that's you know it's not equivalent because football is different. But take Tom Brady off the Bucks. We already had this discussion. Yeah, I mean, and, and granted, <laughs> the quarterback's different than than an offensive forward for for hockey. It's different, but yeah, you know it, it's. You know, so much of that offense at the power play, which has struggled, runs through Kucherov. And so, but they're not playing poorly. I mean, they're making some bad decisions, and some of those are ending up in their net, and that's worrisome. Sergachev's turnover at the end of the second period Monday night was awful. That's but that a ha- ba- very bad decision by him. I've watched this team for two years. They do that all the mm-hmm. time. And you know what happens? 80% of the time, Vassy bells them out. Mm-hmm. They give up the odd man rush or the breakaway well, and he bails them out. And, and if Azzy was in net Monday, that, that shot probably it. got stopped. Yeah, but they did. They do that all the time. But you know what? Mm-hmm. They they come back and they they get it back because they can score. Mm-hmm. They're just not scoring. They're not. They're they're, not. I mean, they haven't had a lead. How do you not have a lead in a game? The question. The question is: Is this what the team's going to be doing all year, or is this just a bad six game stretch for the offense? I don't know. Out of eighty two. I don't know. You're going to have bad stretches in the season. Yeah, you hate to have the first. The first. It, it, it's good. magnified when it's the first. Whether it's yeah. you know a tremendous stretch or a worse stretch, when it's the first six, ten games, whatever, it's always magnified. Let me just say this: the last two years they had the same team, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were the same group of guys together. Sure, the last yeah. two. Mm-hmm. The last, that's you, could why almost, he, you could almost say the last four or five. Last, I mean, last four, but I mean, but the last two for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, Cooper's called it the it was on his ring, right? Last day of school. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we're at the first day of school. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: they didn't have to make adjustments last year, even when Cooch went out. Yeah, they were prepared. But my point is, they had all these guys. This is this is the adjustment. Mm-hmm. Like this is the year where. Everything is different. They're not running it back. They're not trying to three-peat. It's all different now. You know, They're not the same. I mean, they, they took a big bite out of what they had. This is not yep. – the, the school is over. A bunch of guys graduated. You got some juniors left. But these other dudes are working for, you know, 
Microsoft and and mm-hmm. uh, Google. I mean, they're gone. So now, so now you got a whole group of interns, you know, that you got that you got to like get up to speed. This is a different team. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as you can be different. This regular season is just about getting to the playoffs. It's not about the President's Trophy. It's not about winning your division. Right. Just finish top three in your division. That's all you right. got to do. Or you could take a wild card as well, but finish top three. That's all they care. And right. just like last year, they struggled down the stretch last year. They knew they yeah. were in the playoffs. It was just, let's get to the playoffs. You want to get nervous, though? Here's how you get nervous. Okay, they're playing like this now. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and any six-game stretch you can look at during a hockey season and you'll get this. And they've lost Cooch. And we don't know for, for a good long time. We don't know for how long. But it's not season-ending, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But we're only six games in. Mm-hmm. I got news for you. They're going to lose other players. Sure. They're going to sure. lose other players. And and you might be without Stamkos because he's, mm-hmm. he's older and he's gotten hurt every year. You might lose Hedman for a while. Or you might mm-hmm. lose, you know, some of these. So this is as good as it gets. Well, let, this let's. This is it. Let's, like, with, you're as healthy. Even though you don't have Cooch, yeah. you're as healthy as you're going to be. Yeah. With, with, with as well as they're. I won't say well. The way they're playing now. Let's give it six more games and see where they stand. Okay. And and, and uh, look, there's, there's parts of their games that worry me. But I, at the end of the day, I think this team can score, and that's really what's missing from their game is they're not scoring right now. I think there's still enough offensive so talent on this team to score. Yeah. They're in a bad stretch. Now, whether if if it continues for four, five, six more games, then or the end of this podcast. Well, that too. <laughs> It might have made three Sorry, more turnovers folks. by the end of it. Sorry, folks. I know they scored eight goals against <laughs> against Pittsburgh and won, and we sound like idiots right now. Sorry, we do we do tape this a little in advance of the game. So, but yeah, now that's how fast it changes in hockey. So, but I do hope. Listen, I do think it's really early in the season, and they are going to have other injuries. So the, the quicker these other guys pick up the slack, the better, because they're going to be playing even bigger roles than they are right now. I mean, so they've played six games out of eighty-two. That's roughly six percent of their schedule. Six yeah. or seven percent of the schedule. One mm-hmm. NFL game is six percent of your schedule. They're essentially one game into the NFL season. You know how many times that I've seen a team lose its opener and people go, "They're never going to win again." Yeah, uh, they're the green. So yeah. they're the Green Bay Packers. And, you're saying they just got they just got yeah. smashed. They just got smashed by New Orleans in the yeah. opener, and the Packers are right. done. And, and here's the thing about the Lightning: they have not led. At any point in a game yet, and they have five points. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, just imagine what's going to be like if they took like a two to nothing lead. They'll be like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we don't have to chase this all night. Just, just get, a, just get the first goal in a game. One goal, yeah. Just get the first goal, like one time. They like, come out and score and look up at the scoreboard and say it's one nothing. They're chasing us because then you play different, right? I mean, you just you don't have to chase the game. It's so exhausting. You know, it's like we got we got to tie it up. Okay, we tied it up. I mean, you know, like I said, this Lightning team is not going to be the team from last year. It's not going to be the team from two years ago. It's not, no, clearly. But we're still early enough in the season, and they managed to get five points without leading at a moment during the game outside of the two overtime goals when the clock stops and you you win. But those five points, you will say, you know. It's not good enough to where you want to get, but. For a, a, if, if If we go another two, three games and they're sitting here with five points now, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I agree completely. So it's 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 win time now. Mm-hmm. Like you need to start racking up some points here. And you've got some you got some very winnable games coming. Arizona, 
Um, yeah. Washington, who you've already beat. Pittsburgh, like, shorthand. I kind of thought that was it. I kind of thought Buffalo was yeah. that team. Toronto too. is really struggling. You got them coming up. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo's actually played pretty well this year. Um, yeah, they, yeah. they won their first three, then they had lost a couple going into the game. But uh, yeah. they're kind of playing with that chip on their shoulder, like no one believes that we can do anything. And yeah, they're Buffalo. That's what, I think that's there was some. You... I think there was some addition by subtraction on that team uh, right. in the locker room, not necessarily talent wise. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of wonder Jack Eichel's presence on that team. You know, him not being there right now, maybe he's more talented than most of the players on the team. But you know, talent sometimes can chemistry yeah. it can affect things too. Yeah. Well, we appreciate all the questions. Those are the answers. They're 100% correct. Your money back. Um, we're going to have Matt Baker. We're talk a lot of college football. It's Florida Georgia week, folks. You're going to the largest, world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville. Uh, can Dan Mullen regain some faith in his program and in, in his coaching uh, with just what would be a, a monumental upset of the number one team in the country? That'll be interesting. Good games this weekend. Is Michigan playing Michigan State, I think? That's correct. Is that right? yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a good. That's got to be the. That's got to be the big noon game. I would imagine. College game Fox. days there and Fox big noon. Oh, they're both going to do it. Yep. Wow, that's cool. What if they could see the sets from each from from like other spots? Like Lee Corso should walk over to the Fox set with his headgear or something. You know. Um. So that'll be fun. So yeah, we're going to talk to Matt. Florida Baker State's about got Clemson. That. Yeah, Florida State three in a row. They just. You know, curb stop UMass, who isn't very good, but they won three in a row now. So Mike Norvell's got them. Clemson's not a good team. This could be a year where Florida State, I don't know. You Tell you what, man, go up there and, and you know, thump Clemson one time. Haven't done that in a while. They benched their you, quarterback last game. They should have. He's been woeful. Yeah. So you got a shot there. So, yeah, we'll talk about college football, and then we'll get you ready for the Bucks at the New Orleans Saints. going to be a great week out there at uh, One Buck Place. Keep it on TampaBay.com. I'm sure we'll be talking more with Tom Brady. Um, of course, you know, Byron Lepwich, Todd Bowles, all those guys. We'll see if Gronk is back. We'll see who is back. I think they might get a couple players, uh, Levante David and others. So keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstyn, Governor Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.